Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. As always, I'm your host, Beth Husted, and I'm joined today by some brilliant and I would like to also say courageous colleagues, Georgina Kenwood and Jason Limbu. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. <laughs> That's no problem. So now I wanted to actually share with you a bit of a story before we get started as to how I really struggled with getting guests on this podcast. And it's very closely linked, actually, to a webinar that we delivered as part of this wellbeing calendar in 2021 on diversity and wellbeing. It was only really when I was delivering this session, so it was, I'd say it was a year ago now, that I realised I, me personally, was what you would call privileged. Arguably because I'm a woman, I could have seen as that being a disadvantage there. But when I did that session last year, I really started to realise that apart from my gender, I've not really experienced any what you would kind of call inequality. So it made me want to do this podcast to raise more awareness, talk about the topic more. So I plan my wellbeing calendar and the events that are going on it kind of pretty much a year in advance. There's some flex in that, but pretty much. So this time last year, I put this podcast in my planned events for the wellbeing calendar 2022. But when it came to actually getting the guests, so a month or two ago, I froze. And I started to question my ability to actually, you know, to, to turn it around the other way, instead of me having the, you know, having to ask people to do it, to how it would be received, you know, like singling out a certain person to say, oh, you've got different colour skin to me. Can you talk about how that might have negatively affected you? And it felt so uncomfortable. And I just wanted to recognise that really, you know, before we even go into this, just to even even start the discussion of having a podcast like this felt uncomfortable for me. And I just wanted to recognise that, you know, sometimes becoming more aware and more knowledgeable, it can actually make you feel more uncomfortable because maybe you see more things. There's that term, Georgie probably knows it, I can't remember, you know, if you say I'm going to get a certain car and then you see that car all the way, all the time, or, you know, there's that, like it's a phenomenon, isn't it? Do you know the name of it? Confirmation bias. Exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> Confirmation <laughs> Lucky bias. I knew that. And it was that kind of awareness of now I'm seeing things a lot more and experiencing in it and it just didn't fit, fit with me well. But Georgie coached me through um explaining that my intentions were good you know I'm not coming at this from a bad place no one's going to misinterpret what my goal is here but I just wanted I thought it was important to lead with that as part of the journey uh, of even getting to talk today so first of all I'm now going to get George and Jason to introduce themselves a little bit more tell them us a bit about themselves and then you know why they think it's important to be here and if we can start with you Georgie and then go into you Jason after some important elements of my identity include being a gay biracial woman. My mum is Chinese and my dad is Welsh. My sister and I grew up, um, we, we moved around a lot growing up as my dad was in the army, but I'm currently based in Hampshire and I've been a vocational rehab consultant at Unum for around 18 months now. So I think the reason that this is really important for me is that it, it helps to grow awareness um, and to start those conversations that are really important for making positive change. Jason. So my name's Jason. Um, so my mum's from the Philippines and my dad's from Nepal. Um, I grew up British because um, my dad's also in the army. So we moved around a lot. Um, I am a local Basingstoke boy. So I am from Hampshire as well. Um, 
So I've been a broker specialist for four years. I started off in sick pay insurance, moved to individual business. Now I'm on quotes. Um, and I think the reason it's important to have these discussions is to have that open culture of openness and make these a normal things to talk about. Thank you. And I'd, it is really important for us to be discussing this today. And also just even hearing about the fact that you've had to move around, it goes a long way to show how resilience is built, isn't it? Because I've never moved out of anywhere apart from where I grew up, went to uni, three months stint in Thailand, and then that was it. I'm just back in Essex. And it's, uh, you know, it, that lack of growing and being in it, out of your comfort zone, you know, it shows how sheltered a life I've had. So we'll go to you, Jason, first. And I would, it, obviously, I know these are sensitive topics, but I would just be really interested to kind of put context around it, because I, I, I haven't experienced it apart from one time I told Georgie, which she just laughed profusely because it's kind of the complete opposite end of being uh, in any situation. I got char overcharged to be using a tuk-tuk in Thailand because I was Phalang, I was the white person and they were like, no, you can have an extra expensive tuk-tuk. And that was the only experience I've had. And I just feel, you know, that's bad. That's a horrible feeling. But I want to know from your perspective, when you first experienced negativity, you know, as a result of your race? And how did that make you feel? So I think in terms of um, self-identity and things, I think that there's two different levels that I've really sort of identified. So the first sort of level I thought about was when I wasn't really aware or um, really thought about my race. So growing up, um, obviously you grow up and you go to school in England, you go to primary school and all that. You, you grow up in a mix sort of environment with sort of people from different backgrounds you don't really notice your race you don't really know that you're really that different you just think you're all same school friends um and I think the first time it happened I was actually in school and um someone said to me uh, my parents said I can't play with you because you're brown and I think that's a lot of um, confusion because you aren't really aware of that difference at that age or when you're younger so there's a lot of confusion sort of self-blamed like it was is it my fault like what did I do um you don't really realize the different levels that go on there in terms of your race and the negativity that comes towards that um then obviously my parents had a talk with me then you learn more as you grow up then I think the second level I thought about was when I was more aware of my race and sort of my self-identity growing up who I am um then that's a whole different kind of confusion because it's more I thought it was more on why someone would say or do something like that to hurt someone. And it's more an acceptance and growth of who you are and then challenging someone else and making sure that they understand who they are and their differences and that it's, it's not bad to be different. I think that is a really key word, the idea of, of differences, because we are mm. everyone's different in so many different ways and everyone's looking for some level of acceptance in, in whatever it is that you are doing, whether it's a, a sport or a work or a friendship or your relationships or anything like that. You just want to feel that you belong somewhere and to yeah. have something that isn't a choice. It's yes. like that, that that's, a, that's not your choice to have a difference. And so then people make that into a bad thing mm. and it is it's just what well, obviously well, you can't see our faces on the recording but I was just <laughs> you know that that really affected me to hear something like that um Jason so thank you for sharing and then Georgie how about yourself I, the first time that I consciously experienced 
racism was when I was around nine to ten years old and I was walking home from school with my mum and we were just standing at a traffic light waiting to cross and someone on the opposite side of the road yells go back home and I remember being so confused because we lived there and and that was as far as my mind went at that moment my mum said not to retaliate she said let it go she'd lived in the UK for 20 plus years at this point and then only later on did I start thinking of all the things that I could have said or should have said and I felt all of the guilt and anger kind of build up inside of me that that we had been treated like this purely based on how we looked they didn't know anything about us and then since that point I suppose I quite often felt sad feel sad about um, thinking about how many times my mum would have been in that situation where she's she's just had to let it go in some ways and I think multiple instances growing up this kind of occurred and often they're very subtle but enough for me to know that maybe the colour of my skin or certain facial features were not always comfortable for others so I think I initially learnt to cope with this by outdoing the jokes of others maybe being ridiculously racist towards myself in some ways um, so that other people couldn't say anything worse which is something that I'm really trying to unlearn because I realise it doesn't really pay much respect to either myself or my background as well. Now you're making me think whenever I take the mickey out of my Essex accent that maybe I'm just trying to get there first <laughs> before people judge my stupidity. <laughs> Coming from a client, completely different uh, reason, but I can get what you, do you know what I mean? If, if I'd call something out first, someone can't call it out on me and now I'm more in control of the situation. It still gets me. I just don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can have to put up with anything, how you can, I suppose I just never grew up in a home or a family or a situation where that was something that we were aware, aware of in a bad way. You just knew that people were different and that wasn't a necessarily bad thing. And I have to praise my parents for allowing that to be the home environment that I had. So, so I suppose for my life, I've always had, any, you know, people you judge people on their kindness you judge people on their niceness and if they're if they've got the same values as you that was always how I was brought up so it was a real shock to me as I grew up to notice that there was these inequalities that were people were experiencing and probably even more so noticing them as you as you come into the workplace I think it even took a long time until that point I put, I think trying to reflect now and thinking about when I worked, you know, was working in the hospitals as a therapist and the differences you see in the, in the in individuals coming in and the way family units look after their families and how there's different cultures and the way people are looked after. But I never really thought, I thought it was a, an, like a thing of the past. I didn't think it was still being carried forward into life now. So I'm interested to know, obviously you're both very young and obviously both are much younger than me. But, uh, you know, you've seen it generational. So you've seen it impact. I'm assuming, um, Jason, as well, you saw your parents be negatively impacted, not just yourself. Um, and you probably, I'm assuming, spoken to them about their experiences and things like that. Do you think things have improved? You know, is there more awareness? Are people more sensitive? Yeah, I, I'd be interested to know, because like I said, I feel like the older I get and the more my eyes are opened, it's, there's more to see. But I thought that things were starting to improve. Georgie, what do you think? I agree. I think awareness is growing, but it often, as is the case with many areas, it takes a lot longer for that to translate into our behaviour. Some of this, I think, stems from fear of saying the wrong thing 
which often holds us back from doing anything at all or saying anything at all. Um, some of it is just trying to break really well-established habits or narratives. Quite often it can feel easier to make the expected remark or carry out a microaggression, but it takes a lot more effort to kind of pause and consider the impact behind what you're going to say or do. So for me, I can't speak about whether things have improved for all people of colour, but from my own experiences, um, I think it fluctuates dependent on the global climate in some ways. So being Chinese at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic was not ideal. Story came out about someone maybe eating a bat and that's how it's all started. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't a great time. Same with things like Brexit, any any huge events that happen globally um, can really have an impact for those who aren't necessarily white and or British, I think. Things have improved, but I feel like it's a constant work in progress. Do you know what? I actually, um, I messaged you guys both this morning before we was doing this and I was on my popular current affairs platform, TikTok, it's the only way I get any of the information I get in my life. And um, I, I think it was like, one of them awful radio shows like LBC or something, someone had recorded it. And there was this awful guy on there saying, because obviously we're podcasts aren't timestamps, so this could be this and do it at any point. This is the, the time where Rishi Sunak has been announced as our new prime minister, um, third one this year. Great. <laughs> but this person was saying he shouldn't be do he shouldn't be doing this because he's not British. And it just angered me so much because it, I mean, one, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. But two, he is British. He's born in, in the UK. Why why are we even t discussing, like, skin colour or or status of where you were born as a, an ability to do a job? That's what this person was saying. It boils down to the ability to do a job based on the colour of someone's skin. And I think, Georgie, that's exactly what you were just saying. Is it depends on the time and the people and what kind of mood people have as to whether or not they're then going to start pointing out ridiculous reasons for things to be happening or not happening, like you said about the, the pandemic or Brexit or things like that. But it was just something that really stuck. And I was in the shower listening to this. I don't listen to that radio station. It was just playing on TikTok as a recording. And I cried because I just, one, we're doing this podcast today. So I've been thinking a lot about it. And two, I just can't believe that kind of thing is still a go-to thought process for anyone ever. That the skin colour of someone would mean they weren't native to that particular country or able to be relative to that country or they couldn't do their job because of the way they looked. I think it's a really interesting time. So despite your anyone's politics um, and, and where yeah. you stand on things, where things are at the moment, I think there's almost always a lot of pressure if you've got a female prime minister, a prime minister of colour or mm. someone in power um, who represents a certain minority. There's an additional layer of pressure there which comes to the forefront whenever something like this happens. Jason, I can see you nodding away there. Do you think things improved? Have you got anything to say on well, the I government? Think <laughs> in terms of talking about that, I think things like race, colour, or even gender, you can't really hide that when you enter a room. So, for example, if I walk into Basingstoke, I might see one or two people who might be the same colour, but you'll see the majority of people here will be of a um, white British background. Um, so it's quite easy to feel like the outsider of even for someone like Rishi, if, if he walks into number 10, there'll be everyone else will be of a different colour. So we have to start by looking at that. Um, 
but I think in terms of racism and sort of the negative experiences, I think it's definitely improved in terms of awareness and people speaking up. Um, I mean, I'm sure my dad won't mind me sharing this. Uh, when he was in the 80s in London, um, there would be people, he'd go to a pub, people would um, obviously tell him certain things to get out of the country and things like that. Nowadays, <laughs> if you go to a pub and you hear that, they get kicked out. Um, so there is a lot more awareness and sort of more people sort of um, speaking up. So I think it has improved in that sense, but I think it's a lot more covert. It's more hidden now. Things like microaggression, so, you know, a statement or an action that's unintentional discrimination. Like someone telling me, you speak really good English for someone who's brown or something. And it's like, mm, I mean, I've been brought up here, so you shouldn't really talk or ask me those things. So I think it's about challenging those and asking questions and trying to make, improve people around you. And then hopefully that micro sort of improvement will go even further, I think. That's a good point. So that microaggressions thing really struck me. And and there's just, I think there's also an element of this. So people are often, I don't know if this is true or not, but I noticed it the other day when my husband was describing, so we have a really lovely bagel shop around the corner. Absolutely love it. The guy that runs the front part of the shop, you know, like taking the orders, it's they're, they're like partners. He's white and he's covered in tattoos. And the guy that does the cooking behind is a black man with dreadlocks. But my husband was like, the cook, the one behind. And I was like, you can use the colour of someone's skin to describe <laughs> what they look like. So because that's a fact, you know, male, female, black, white, whatever it is, it, it's a descriptor. And it's almost like we've kind of, some people are too afraid to even mm. use it in a term that describes something. Um, and I think that's where there's almost kind of a bit of a a fear you say about the microaggressions and that is something that people are just really unaware of even happening it's like an accidental mm. thing um i actually see it a lot recently um uh, not recently i've seen it a lot with name saying someone's name and you'll re ask someone how to say their name and then still repeatedly say it wrong um and there was somebody that was working and they nicknamed them instead of actually learning to say their name properly they were nicknamed and that's a microaggression in case anyone listening doesn't really fully get it like i'm not going to learn to say your name because it's too hard for me and i think that's the sort of thing that we need to be calling out not the fact that you don't want to describe where someone looks because that's quite clearly you know that's how they do it in the police, isn't it? They assign, they assign criteria to describe a human size and the colour of their hair and the colour of their skin because they're a descriptor. But a microaggression is something as rude as not understanding someone or, under, you know, exactly that, getting someone's name repeatedly wrong. I think, or... um, I think it's, it's a lot to do with intent. So saying yeah. someone, describing someone saying, that's a black um, baker or something. There's no sort of negative intent, but sort of asking someone saying, you speak good English or, you know, yeah. uh, say, saying their name wrong. There's sort of a negative intent behind that. Yeah. Whether that's on purpose or not, it's still a microaggression. 100%. <laughs> Anything else to add on what sort of things microaggressions might be, just out of kind of explanation perspective? Mostly in agreement with what's already been covered. I know multiple people who either weren't born in England and have, have moved here and they've suddenly got nicknames that they, they don't mm. have in the country they were born in, but it's purely to ease other people's 
way of communicating with them. It's for other people. Yeah. So don't no, do it. Aside from me, <laughs> completely agree. Yeah. So I, 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 it turns brings me on to my next kind of point because I think some people are naturally curious. There's a visual difference between two people and you might just want to know more about that person as a talking point to build rapport. Little do you know you could potentially swipe down the rapport building if you do it kind of wrong but you're naturally curious and when I was kind of in that session I was talking about last year and you know it was potentially a bit of a microaggression asking where someone came from could be seen as wrong probably because a bit like what you were saying Jason I'm and both of you actually in fact I'm born here like I am from here so why are you asking me where I'm from I'm, I'm this is where I'm born and raised but is there a right or way right or wrong way to perhaps ask someone you know where is your heritage you've, you've got a different color skin to me I'm curious to know your background because I want to know more about you because I want to get to know you can you know just like you might ask someone where they're from because they have a lovely accent not saying you speak well <laughs> saying you I really you know you meet someone I love um you know like the Portuguese accent or the Italian accent like, where's that from I love it so much and then you can have a conversation about their home and um that to me is, is getting to know someone better but we can get so scared because we want to be inclusive we want to be kind and it's almost like the elephant in the room where you don't want to have that conversation so yeah I'd be really interested because that's something that I think is really important for me and then I never really want to ask just in case I'm doing it wrong. I think this is something that's really really important because often I realise that when we talk about inclusion, diversity, belonging, all of those aspects often we are saying that we want our differences to be recognised, but at the same time, we might recoil because our differences have been recognised in a way that doesn't sit well. And I completely see why that could be confusing and difficult for people to, to manage. So for me, again, this is where intent comes in, as Jason mentioned. So it's really important that the person speaking you're speaking to feels as safe as possible, that you're asking from a place of openness and that healthy curiosity. So I like when people ask, what's your background? What's your ethnicity? I love that because it allows me to feel seen, but it also doesn't assume that I don't belong. The wrong way to ask for me can be taken from many experiences within hospitality. Um, I used to work in a very local pub and multiple times a day, especially when I first started there, a conversation might follow a pattern like this. So it would, it would be like, uh, I'll have a pint of Foster's and uh, where are you from? And I would say Hampshire, how about you? And they would come back and say, yeah, yeah but where are you really from? And I would say Hampshire. At this point, I really knew what they wanted to know, but I, and it may have been cruel of me, but I wanted to see where they went next. So then they might go, okay, okay, but where are your parents from? And at this point, I knew my game was up and I would go into the story, I would say, my mum's from Hong Kong, and they'd go, oh, you're Chinese. And I would say, well, well, I'm, I'm half, I was born in England. And they'd say, oh, I love, I love Chinese food. I love a bit of sweet and sour, oh, whatever it would, they would me. say. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say, amazing, that's £3.50, please. And so I know that this is, I'm not alone in this kind of experience. So it's that small difference in wording that really makes a difference. What's your ethnicity? What's your background? 
Well, that's useful from my perspective, Georgie. Thank you very much. And how about yourself, Jason? I think because I've been in the same shoes as well, because being mixed, I want to know if someone's from my country. So I think, first of all, you have to sort of look within yourself and ask yourself, do you need to know? Well, why do you need to know? And sort of understand that you do not really have a right to know unless the conversation's open and you don't open sort of a conversation with someone with that question unless it's an appropriate situation. So I think it's important to be interested in the person and to listen to their stories and their experiences, but understand that unless that person's openly explaining where they're from, that you don't really have the right or the necessity to know unless they want to share. And then, so I think it's important to know how and when to sort of ask that question. So is it appropriate sort of in the workplace, is it appropriate to go to someone and ask that? I don't think so. So. <clears throat> And I think even if they do answer, if they do answer abruptly, sort of like I'm from Hampshire, you shouldn't really push. And there are better ways to ask where, where are you from? So like Georgie said, what's your cultural background? What's your family's her heritage? Sort of be interested in the person, I think, start that relationship off. I think it's important to not make assumptions because there's so much diversity, like not all Spanish people are from Spain, Spanish speaking people are from Spain and not to rely too much on your own experiences so saying oh i've been there um and things and try and explain your own situations i think you need to be aware of your differences because you're not going to have the same experience as them or they might not have a good experience with where they're from so you need to be a bit sensitive as well i think that is it's a hundred percent right a bit about mm. the the time and the place and i just think that's really important because you don't just say to someone what's your sexuality and mm. you don't just say to someone um de any other details like you don't need to be asking those questions so yeah you don't just find and where you're from that it's not appropriate like your questions are exactly that if you're if it's relevant it's it's only relevant if it's part of that conversation not just out of the blue in order to establish information about a person to probably make those assumptions that you were just talking about Jason so I think that's a really important thing to be mindful of my desire if I could create my own world <laughs> you're all welcome by the way is that we just have like this place where we treat everyone like a person just that you know like you just doesn't your own human your own individual um and you know we've got workplace and culture and home and everything is just accepting of people however they come that so, but i don't think it sounds like the most hardest thing in the world there's no preconceptions there's just acceptance and you just are who you are to me that's just makes life easier harmonious positive um but i don't think it's that simple because you've got people with their own thoughts and their own ideas. So I'm interested to know what you think we can all be doing. I'll start with you, Jason, because Georgia keeps laughing at me and I don't know why she thinks I'm so funny. I think it's just because I've got these beautiful ideals. Maybe I should become the new prime minister. Um, but yeah, what do you think we could be doing differently, Jason? I think it's literally just to look within yourself and to sort of actively listen to people around you, I think. If you do want to sort of find out more, do your own research um, find your own biases, sort of be open to the discussion, ask the right questions to others. I don't think um, 
someone of a different race should be the one to sort of educate others. You should be doing your own research and sort of doing educating yourself first before sort of being open to that discussion and talking to others about their views. I think it's important to be curious and build those relationships with people of diverse backgrounds as well um, and sort of always involve others and avoid those assumptions. Love learning. Like I've got hmm. so many different friends that have got different <laughs> religions or different, like they do different things to me. And I just, I'm so interested and so excited about the things hmm. that they're doing. Um, but like you say, they're your friends and you're you're able to ask and, and, and find out more about these different expectations or different things like this my friend has um he's doing Diwali at the moment so they're all which is just beautiful to me and I love I love it um and I have another friend that um they have to have certain things within their home you know to protect Hmm. their home and stuff like that and I love looking around and finding where they are and and stuff to me I just think it's lovely and beautiful to hear about what everyone else does but like I say, it's not always that simple, is it? Um, what about yourself, Georgie? Just on that as well, I would say I completely agree. I think there are so many amazing things that we could be learning about one another if we opened up um, and and made that space for one another. But aside from that, I think start by reflecting a little bit. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of reflecting. <laughs> uh, consider where your own privileges lie. So if if you're not sure, I would ask a friend, ask someone you trust, open up that conversation and then consider how the privilege you have, and we've all got various privileges, impacts the way you perceive the world and the opportunities that you've had access to, because does that impact the way you treat or perceive others? After that, once you've got to that step, I would say take the steps to combat these. So be an advocate for representation, be an ally to those around you, and again, open up those conversations in a way that feels as comfortable as possible to those around you. There's actually a really interesting um, activity that we did in in the webinar. And I have to say, I didn't write the webinar. Um, My colleague wrote the webinar. Um, It wasn't something that I did, so I'm not taking any credit for it. But she had this activity in there where she made you shut your eyes and think a time where you had ever experienced any of the things that were following. And it was something like, have you ever been followed in a shop because of the colour of your skin or have you ever been conscious of who you're kissing because they're the same gender as you or have you ever struggled to get in and out of something or or, or a location because of your uh, physical abilities it was just kind of going through all these different that's how you can identify your privileges if you can go through your day-to-day activities without feeling that what you are can put any negative impact on that then you're privileged in in some way, like you say, recognising what your privilege is. It was such a big eye opener for me to be going through these things thinking, I don't, you know, like it makes you tearful. It makes you tearful to think that there is that much of an inequality uh, still that, and so I, I was just kind of wanted to highlight the importance of if you don't know where your privileges lie, maybe do an activity like that where you think, what am I actually impacted on doing? And if you're not impacted on, on doing certain things, you're probably more of the privileged individuals. So we've talked about loads and loads. Um, the reason that I put this in the calendar was because it's to do with, I think, I think feeling negatively impacted by that kind of acceptance piece, neg- like not being accepted, Jason, or experiencing that kind of um, 
experiencing racism, seeing your parents going through things like this, I think it impacts your well-being. It impacts how you feel as a person, how you conduct yourself every day, how you, you know, is there such a thing as equality? You know, how you get access to things. And if there is an inequality in accessing the same or experiencing the same thing, that impacts you as a human being, as an individual, and how you can actively get involved in, in every day-to-day -day stuff. And I think that's a really important part of well-being. Uh, and I think making a difference and actually looking in the mirror, reflecting on yourself will make you better as an individual, not you guys, make people better as an individual. I'm pointing on the screen, I'm talking to these guys on the screen, so they think I'm talking directly to them, I'm talking to you guys listening. And that's why I wanted to make this a topic that we talked about today. So have you got any kind of parting hints and tips that we can sort of send forth the listeners with for today? So hints and tips, I think you have to check your privilege, sort of check sort of how you've impacted the world, uh, what your differences are, sort of what you might have advantage over others <clears throat> and check your differences as well. Um, I think one important one that we talked about is sort of asking where you're from instead of doing that, I think be interested in the person, build those relationships first um, and ask ask in a more appropriate way and more appropriate form there's a time and place you can ask things like what's your cultural background what's your family heritage make sure the person's open to sort of sharing if they have shared it um in their introduction or something you might be able to build up on that but if they haven't shared it i don't think you should really push i completely agree with what you said jason <laughs> i think other things we can do might be being open to those discussions that might be uncomfortable at times because it can be really, really uncomfortable to face up to certain narratives or, um, well, narratives that we've grown up with or just experienced for a long period of time and, and for those to be challenged. I would also steer away from those blanket statements, so we're all equal, I don't see colour, I don't care where you're from, because in essence all of those are, are part of someone's identity. Um, and it comes back to what Beth said about equity, seeking for equality in reaching those opportunities. I would say if you're a person who holds any form of power to be making that space for those who might not have access to those same opportunities as you have or have had in the past, um, because that will make a huge difference in terms of you being an ally, but also creating that space for positive change and for all those thoughts and experiences that can add value to a company or for your own perspective as well. I love that. There was something that you guys were talking about at the beginning as well, which was how you wanted the podcast to be received, as though you were not talking about ev from everybody's perspective. Do you just want to add that kind of clarity? Because I won't do it justice about how you wanted to describe it. Sure. So I think throughout this I've been very conscious that um, for me at least I, I can't speak on behalf of every person of colour and I would never dream of doing that um, even with those who have a similar background to mine so I think everything I've said is very much from my own perspective and I'm very conscious that that will vary massively dependent on a person's background. That's the same for you, is what you were saying as well Jason wasn't it? Yeah that's the same for me. 
Great. Great. Well, I think that that's, you know, been a really, for me, I think it's been incredibly insightful. I've been very, very open and honest and, you know, really inquisitive and wanted to kind of really ask those questions that I think often you, you can't ask. It was a, it's a safe space for everybody. Um, I'm really sorry that these are the things that individuals have gone through, particularly you guys, because I just don't think it's right or, or fair. But I'm really grateful for you to share that in order for us to to make a difference and, and hope that it, it these things don't continue and let's, let's let's keep opening our eyes and being mindful calling each other out and like you say being that ally and remembering your privileges and using that as, as an opportunity so i just wanted to say a huge a huge huge thank you to both of you to you jason and to you georgie um, i'm really 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 appreciated your openness and your time um, so thank you very much and we will join you for the next podcast Thank you. Thank you.